We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We had another super chat from Fuelsfield Financial Services Incorporated. Thank you so much. We have seven games scheduled at home for 2024, which will be day games at home, night games at home, and a Shamrock game. Let me pull up the 2024 uh, Notre Dame football schedule here real quick, JP. And I'll, and again, these are guesses on our part, but looking at history and tradition, uh, Stanford will be a home will be a a night game. That, that'll be a night game. My other guess for night game is going to be the November 9th game against Florida State. That'll be my other guess for night game. Now, you could see Miami, but that depends on when they play Miami. We talked about this the other day, Ryan. But Miami's either going to have to get fit in between Louisville and Stanford. So the Louisville game is on Saturday, October 28th, or September 28th. Then there's a bye. Then they have a game against Stanford on October 12th. Then they play Georgia Tech on the 19th. Then they play uh navy on on uh, october 22nd then there's a buy there's two other buys so there's a buy between navy and florida state so that would be like that no, saturday november 2nd and then there's a buy between virginia and usc at the end of the year so they they can fit miami into one of those two i prefer i would prefer them to fit miami in between one of those two i would prefer that they fit miami in between usc uh, virginia USC that's going to be a could be a tough four game stretch but I like the idea of having five games and then a bye so having yeah. a bye between Louisville and Stanford and then I would I would then go uh Stanford Georgia Tech Navy then another bye week after Navy and then play Florida State Virginia Miami and USC so there's going to be a tough four game stretch in there somewhere I'd rather have two byes one after Navy and then one in week because you got to think week five. Say, well, it's it's not halfway through the season. Actually, it's more than halfway through the season if you include you got a full month of fall camp. So the halfway through yeah. the season on the schedule is actually well over halfway of your football season in, in regard to when the football team shows up and when the season concludes. So I think like after week five is a great time to have a bye, in my opinion, Ryan. And since they play uh, in August, they're going to have another two bye season next year. Notre Dame will, which I like. I think that's really smart. Yeah. If you can have a week zero game every year, I would do it if I was Notre Dame. 
absolutely would do it every week. So that's my stance. Thoughts on that, Ryan? I think, and then the rest Shamrock of the games will probably game? be day games. I don't know that they're going to have one, and 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 late, you know, I don't, I don't know that they're going to have one. I, I don't know what their stance is on that. That, that's a lot. Of that's going to be determined by the new, the new, uh, the new uh, court, the new um, geez, Louise athletic director. It, it's going to yeah. be determined by that because, you know, they had the Shamrock game in twenty one against Wisconsin, right? And then twenty twenty, yes. they didn't have a Shamrock game because of all the the COVID stuff, and and I don't know that right. that. Uh, that Jack Swarbrick necessarily loved the idea of the Shamrock games all the time. Like they did not have a Shamrock game in 2020 or 2019, yep. excuse me. So they had New Mexico, Virginia, Bowling Green, USC, Virginia Tech, Navy, and BC. So that year they didn't have a Shamrock game. What they did in 19 was they just had the alternate uniforms for the BC game. You remember they had the 88 throwback uniforms for the for that game in, in 2019, which I loved. Still yep. my probably my favorite alter, alternate uniform. Uh, I've said I would I would be fine if they went to that uniform full time, just except for the black cleats. I didn't, you know, that's a little too old school for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, so I don't know that they'll necessarily have one, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the thing. Somebody mentioned that they're playing Navy at MetLife. That that's not part of the Shamrock. That's part of what they they always play Navy. When whenever they have a road game against Navy, it's always played at a neutral field. I don't, I don't know. I can't, Ryan, I have to look it up. I don't know the last time Notre Dame played Navy in Annapolis, honestly. Uh, let me, let me, let me go look this up because I can. Question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not in my lifetime. It hasn't happened. I'm pretty sure it hasn't happened in my lifetime, but let's see. Um, since 2014, I don't remember them playing in Annapolis in 2014, but yeah, I guess they did. So it says 2014. No, that that's not correct. I was at that game. That wasn't at Annapolis. That was at uh, that was at, yeah. Hold on a second. At 2014. Yeah, I was at that game. That game was played in um, in Washington D.C. I'm pretty sure. So let, let me just look this up because I I don't think that's correct. It says on on Winsipedia that it was that that game was played there. Yeah, the Navy game in 2014 was pay, played at FedEx Field. I. I knew that that was incorrect. So let's look at the last time before that it was played in Annapolis. Oh, was that FedEx that year? Yes. So it says like, you know, Wikipedia will say where the game was. It says 2014. It says it was played in Annapolis. And I, I know for a fact, I was like, no, I was at that game. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at this here back to 1927. They have not played that game in Annapolis. Yeah. Long time here. Here's something wild. So um, see from, Notre Dame played at home in, in 2000 and, uh, 1937, and then games were either played in Baltimore or Cleveland from then until a home game at Notre Dame in 1950, not 53. They were played in either Baltimore or Cleveland. Isn't that wild? But yeah, the, the, I see no games here listed in Annapolis, so I don't know that Notre Dame has ever played at on Navy's home field. So that game is always played on a neutral field somewhere. Uh, now the Notre Dame home games tend to be played at Notre Dame with the exceptions of like they're doing this year with the, um, with the, um, you know, the Dublin, the Dublin thing. Dublin. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It, it's a good question. I, I don't know. I do I like Annapolis. Yeah. It's beautiful. Huh? I, I would love for there. Though, right? 
I would love for to have a game played just one game there, and I would love for Notre Dame play play Army at West Point. I would absolutely love that. Maybe just selfishly, I'd love to cover a game there. But I just think I also think that would be a really cool. Uh, it's like I would make it, and I know you got to be careful with this, Ryan. But I think sometimes there can be team building experiences, and I really believe that playing Army at Army, being at West Point. I would I would say, hey, look, obviously we're here to play a football team, but I want you all to understand what this football team represents. Now, we're going to go out there on Saturday and we're going to try to whoop their butts, but understand who these kids are, right, and understand what 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 it is. I, I think there's there's merit to that so, as far as developing young people. You know what I mean? So, Me, me and really Kalen cool. used to go down to Annapolis just for, like, spend the day down in Annapolis. Annapolis is beautiful, man. I really like it down there. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's good. Good, good question, JP. Very good question. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's get back up here to um, to the top here, Ryan. We had a question from Nathan Melton. What's up, Melton? Where do you think the Adam Alolo twins would fall on this year's depth chart based on what you know about the current defensive line? Well, I think that would all depend on the buy-in, Ryan. I mean, I, I think that that's that would be key. Is is I don't I don't know. I don't know that they would play as much this year as they did last year unless there was a change in buy-in. Uh, is about the about the only way I can say it, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if there was buy-in because yeah. I would love a yeah. three-tech 
duo of Riley Mills and Jason Adam Malola from a talent perspective. Like, oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And then you could also then use Riley as a swing player. So if you're playing a team, like let's say you get into a playoff game against Michigan, right, and, and or, or Georgia, and they're more run-oriented. You could put Riley at big end more in that game because it, it fits with what you're trying to defend. But then against USC and Ohio State and Clemson, you may put him inside and, and just have that dynamic one-two punch there. Yeah, that would that would be good. It would just depend on the buy-in. Talent-wise, there's no question they'd play. I would say Jason more so than Justin because I, I think Justin would be pushed a little bit more this year by Junior Two Alamock and Josh Burnham uh, than he would have last year. Like I, I, it, I think if Jordan Patelho had a strong offseason, I think he's your starter. So I think you'd you'd have seen Justin playing a lot more at the field end position in a rotation spot with Javante and then being used in the nickel. But it it all would just depend on their body. Look, those those kids have ability. There's no doubt. And uh, but they just they they would need to have been to be bought in a little bit more. And I'll just kind of leave it at that for now, Ryan. We had a next question from John A. Once it's following bowl wins. Notre Dame has had really good seasons following with exception of the 2012 season, the 2015, 2018 and 2020 teams all carried the momentum. Do you feel that will be true for the 2023 season? I mean, look, you, you, uh, you, you believe in, I'm a believer, Ryan, in um, momentum comes from confidence. Confidence yeah. comes from success, right? I mean, I, I think that when you when and I've said this before, I felt the vibe around the Notre Dame football team coming out of the 2014 season was so much different coming out of 2015. Even though in 2014 that team had an absolute dumpster fire down the stretch, and the 2015 team was a play here, a play there away from being a playoff team, but the 2015 team lost their last two games. And the 2014 team ended their season with a big bowl win over an LSU team nobody thought they would beat. So I, I, I'm a big believer in that, Ryan. Now, do I think it's the end-all, be-all? No, I don't. I don't think that's the case. Do I think yeah. it, 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 it plays an important role? Yeah, I, I do. I do think it helps. It helps, it helps with building your, your, your team's character. It, it, it plays a role, in my opinion, in, in, in just creating a sense of, hey, we are pretty good, just depending on who you beat, obviously. Sure. Uh, especially when you beat a good team. And I think Notre Dame beat, you know, had a big bowl win this year. Uh, South Carolina is not LSU, but it was a big bowl game. You know what I mean? A, 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 a name bowl game. So I, I think that stuff matters, Ryan. At the end of the day, though, it, it's just a, it's just a part of the process. It's, it's a, it, it, it doesn't define it. If you have, don't, if you don't have good leadership, I don't care who you beat the, the end of the season. But I, I do think that win, winning the season on a strong note, it's why I've always said I'd rather go to a New Year's Six game and win. If I already knew the outcome, if I don't know the outcome, would you rather go to a New Year's Six game against a team you, you know you can beat or go to a bowl game or a playoff game and you're not sure? I'd take the playoff game. But if you give sure. me the knowledge that you're going to go to the playoff game and lose or you're going to go to the you know the Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl or Fiesta Bowl and win, which one would you take? I'd take the win. You know, yeah. if I if I if I already know the outcome, which one would I prefer? I would I would take the win. If I if you don't know the outcome, then I'm always going to want to play for a championship. But if you already give me the outcome, I'd rather end on a win. And so, yeah, I I think that there's something to that. I do, 
I do. Well, I think I think momentum exists more for the teams that are built off of high school recruiting too, right? Because like mm-hmm. they, I think it would be completely different if Notre Dame wins a bowl game last year, but then they bring a mess of transfers that weren't a part of the team. It's like that's not what momentum lost twenty is. Like, some gonna... dudes, yes, and yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> a lot yeah. of those guys that are going to be playing for Notre Dame this year and be legitimate producers played in that football game. They yeah. played in the football game against South Carolina. They experienced some level of success. Outside of Sam Hartman and a couple other transfers that are now a part of this team, the mainstays were a part of that success. So I think that for how Notre Dame is built, I think momentum is even more of a real thing. Like for some of these mm-hmm. teams, you're going to lose a bunch. You're going to reload with the transfer portal, and there's not going to be a lot of continuity on a year-to-year basis. That doesn't mean that they can't win. That just means that I think momentum is less of a real thing for that team compared to how Notre Dame is built, if that makes sense. Right. Yep, absolutely. Well, perfect example, Ryan, is is Michigan State. Yes. I mean, Michigan State goes out and it was 2021, right? And has a great season. You know, they go they go 10 and 2 in the regular season, beat lose to Ohio State late, but then they bounce back, beat Penn State at home, then they go to a bowl game and beat Pitt. And yep. they come out this year in 2022 and they stink. I mean, just stink. You know, and so why? Because it was not the same. It was a much different football team than it was the year before because of all the transfers. And so uh, and there's just not the same buy in when you're bringing guys in for, you know, one hit wonders. Now, those guys are important and I'm all for bringing in a Sam Hartman. But it's like but the to your point, Ryan, the core of your team still needs to be the guys that have been going through the battles and the wars from the minute they got there. I think you're the majority of your team, in my opinion. And guess who else believes in this? Kirby Smart, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban. I mean, sorry, I mean, let's be real. The teams that are playing for championships are still teams built around high school recruiting and development. Now, Alabama's right. brought in some transfers. Georgia's brought in some transfers. They probably fewer than everybody. Uh, um, Michigan has brought in tra- important transfers. But Michigan is a lot like Notre Dame and, 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 and Bama and Ohio State is. We're bringing in this transfer to fill a need there and to fill a need here, not to redo my entire roster. And, and I think that's important. And, and I, think, I think you've seen a little bit of a shift in the way that Nick Saban goes about the portal this offseason too, Ryan, because I think they brought in some mercenary types last year. I mean, why? what was the reason for Jermaine Burton going to Alabama? What about playing time or winning a championship, right? It was for personal individual. I want more touches. I want this. You know, maybe there was some NIL stuff involved. I don't know the answer to that. But it's he wanted to go into an offense where he would get more of his, right? Well, guess what? He wasn't a great teammate last year, right? Shocker. And I think Nick Saban learned some lessons from from that. Now, they went back to the portal again this year. It was a little bit different strategy this year, in my opinion. And it was a small number. I think that's the way to go. I think you nailed that, Ryan. Absolutely. Let's get down here. Here, Here's one, Ryan. The next question is from Gideon Rosa. Thank you, Gideon. If an awesome girl you like becomes a Notre Dame Dame fan for you, is she a keeper? Well, Gideon, I would tell you I guess my wife technically did do that, if I'm I guess. I mean, she she was not a college football fan, and now she roots for Notre Dame, I guess. Same here. Same with Angela. Yeah. I will say this, Gideon. There are so many more important things to to a potential uh, keeper. Uh, you know, th- that that trust and, you know, honesty, um, having a good heart, you know, someone who's who's who is outward focused or, or willing to be outward focused. And and um, 
you know, someone who, who for me was important to find someone that had a, a similar faith background, similar view on certain issues in life. Like I, I cared more about what someone's belief in divorce was than I cared more about her love for learning football. Meaning like I wanted yeah. someone who said, Hey, I'm doing this once. Now look, there's always circumstances that lead to people having a divorce. It happens. I understand it, but I want to at least know going in that, that we're at least on the same page. So when adversity comes, when it will in a marriage, Ryan, you and I both know this adversity comes in a marriage and everyone who's been married knows more than a, a month knows that adversity comes, hardship comes, struggles come that this person is, is I know that they're going to still be here and we're going to battle through it. We're going to fight through it, but we're, we're, we're committed to coming out of it on the other side together. Right. Yeah. As long as you're in a situation where it's not like an abusive thing or, you know, infidelity, stuff like that. So I think those things are, well, that's what was going to be my joke. (laughs) Um, My, my (laughs) wife, my wife would say uh, her advice for me, and this is what's funny about it, that if someone is an Ohio state or Michigan fan, that is a deal breaker. Her being a Notre Dame fan is not. Uh, And what's funny about that is my wife was completely apathetic to that notion. And what's funny is she now hates Michigan, Ohio State more than I do. Now, part <laughs> of it's because having living lived around here and lived in Ohio, she got to be around a lot of those fans, and that's yeah. where her contempt comes from. But uh, but in all seriousness, though, like it's it's a it, what it says to me, Gideon, is that she loves you, and 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 wants to be a part of the things that are important to you. And I think that's that outward focus thing that I'm talking about. It's not so much that she's now a Notre Dame fan just because she loves football, but she's a Notre Dame fan because she cares about you and she sees how much joy that being a Notre Dame football fan brings to you and she wants to be part of that with you. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, and it it might be uh, – it to me, Ryan, it's like, you know, sprinkles on ice cream, right? Like, you know, or, or a little bit of syrup on top. You know, the ice cream's still the, the deal, right? But it's nice to have that little that little extra something, something on the top. So that's well, I I would also say this, Brian. The riddle of the day for everyone out there is if your significant other loves you but also loves the University of Michigan, does she really have good judgment? That would be my question. I I don't that know that I can try I don't know that deep down you're gonna be there with me when it come, when push comes to shove. You know, I, I gotta question exactly. your values, I gotta question your judgment, you know what I mean? You gotta question so, how good of a person you are if you yeah. are the Michigan to her. What eye. and what made this what's it say about me that this person who likes Michigan also likes me? Like I gotta do some internal <laughs> some internal reviews there, Ryan, that maybe there's something wrong with me that this Michigan fan exactly. loves me. So I get you're the, you're the you're the Michigan of husbands. Like, oh man, I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my goodness gracious. All right, here we go. We had another question from Detroit Hunter. What's up, Brian? Company. Just think about the Notre Dame offense. Big lineup of Colsey, Merriweather, Great House, and Eli Raridan. Man, it's a uh, it, like Detroit. Like honestly, though, it's. Very, it's it's even more scary to think about that when you add in the fact that all those players aren't just big, right? Like there's mm-hmm. different attributes that they bring to the table. Like Tobias and Dion can stretch the field vertically for in different ways. Eli Raritan is a very athletic kid. Jaden Greathouse is incredibly nuanced and understands how to attack the defense. He isn't just big. Like we've seen wide receivers. In the past, or not even, I'm not even just talking about from Notre Dame perspective. I'm talking about like just from a general perspective. Where you see a big wide receiver, you're like, that dude does nothing else other than just be big. That's all he does. He doesn't do anything else. Those receivers all have attributes of, of additionally to the size that makes them unique weapons, which I think is really cool. And then you add in the fact that 
Audric Estime has a 225-plus pound back in the backfield as well. Notre Dame's going to have a very big skill position group in 2023. Very big. And that doesn't well, include Jaden Thomas in the slot. And like, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Thomas is bigger than Jaden Greathouse. And yes. you know, look, yes. the other thing too, Ryan, is like I, I think you can insert any tight end, just about any tight end. I mean, you can insert Mitchell Evans is a big boy. You know, I mean, Holden Stace is not exactly small. He's small compared to Eli Raritan and 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 Mitchell Evans, but he's Cooper Flanagan. Those those are big boys. So yeah, yeah. that I, and I think we'll see that lineup at times. Although I would say I, I kind of like the notion of in times where I have Great House and Merriweather outside. Excuse me, uh, Merriweather and Colsey outside. I'm all, I'm kind of half tempted to be. That's an alignment I go to when I've got when it's the series off for Jaden Thomas. Cause the notion mm-hmm. of having a, a Chris Tyree out there with those, the big trees outside and then the, the little fast guy on the inside. So, you know, if you're going to overplay Tobias to the field and I hit Chris Tyree with a, with a quick post or a quick slant. And if he gets a step on your nickel guy and that safety is working out to help Tobias you know, band better. Yeah. That's one of those moments in a game, right? Where the band director quickly is like, Oh shoot, everybody get ready, get up, get ready. Because Chris Tyree is about to house this thing. So yeah, strike up the band, baby. Get it ready to play. So yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. I, depth, I wanted to say this wide receiver. Can't, can't imagine that, it, right? With versatile skill sets. Imagine that. I want to say this yeah. real quick too. Jordan Schreiber asked about one to ten today uh, about certain recruits. Hey Jordan, go to irishbreakdown.com. I literally have this story with all my confidence levels on the front page at irishbreakdown.com. So uh, go read that and check that out, and you'll get your answers to all of those things. We had a next question from Skyler ND who said, pick one team from each conference that you expect is underrated going into the season and one team that is overrated. Oh, man. That's a good one, Ryan. I kind of I kind of like one. this. So let's start off with the ACC and okay. a team that I think is, is underrated going into the season. I think Duke is being very underrated going i've seen some rankings have them Especially in like for the a 50s. team that went nine and four last yes. year <laughs> like, it's yeah, like they're completely yeah. ignoring that from last yeah. season so yeah, yeah i think I, i'll i'll i'm torn on my overrated one ryan because part of me wants to say just bear with me here part of me wants to say florida state because i'm seeing okay. a lot of people picking them as a playoff team and a top five team potential top five team the reason I want to say I'm not super comfortable going there is because I think they're capable of that. I, I really like right. this Florida State. But my 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 counteroffer is like, don't they kind of need to prove it a little bit first, though? Same with like, yeah, you know, like the, my overrated team in the Big 12 is easy. It's Texas. I mean, this is an 8-5 and five team that people are projecting as a top 10 borderline playoff team based on what? Recruiting rankings? Yeah. Like they certainly didn't do anything on the field last year. I don't feel quite that way about Florida State, but I do think there's an element of they got to prove it a little bit. So, but I, I don't know if that's going to make me want to go completely with them because I really do, I really do like the potential of that football team this year. So I'm, I'm going to go with Duke. I'm, but, but I also don't know that anyone else is in the ACC is getting any love, Ryan. I mean, that's the thing is like, not really. There's not any other teams getting a lot of hype this year besides Clemson and and uh, and North Carolina. I mean, Florida Clemson State. and um, Florida State. Florida, I mean, North Carolina is not even most people's preseason top 25s. So yeah. I, I don't know that there is an overrated team in the in the like it's not like if a bunch of people are like hyping up Miami, oh they're gonna bounce back. I said okay, that's that's a little overrated. They went five and seven last year. They got a lot to prove, right? Yeah. yeah. But I don't see that happening. No one's doing that right now. 
And so I, 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 I don't know what really, happened to the team. I don't think you, you, you can't really pick Clemson either because Clemson's actually kind of not being talked about much for the first time in a few years, now, it feels like, right? It's like I, I, I will say this, like the view on Clemson is strange. There's a lot of teams. Most people have them in the top 10, but at the bottom of the top 10, which is fair. I mean, you know, they're down year the last two years. They won 10 games and 11 games. Like that's that's the right. down. That's Clemson descending. There's a lot of people that would love to have Clemson what to be where Clemson's descent is. Right. But I think yeah. with the changes in the coaching, the Garrett Riley, the Cade Klubman taking over, I, I I think the excitement about Clemson bouncing back is legitimate because, again, this is still a team sure. that went 11-3 last year. And, and But now I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Phil Steele has them ranked second. That's overrated for Clemson. Wow. Like, that's too high. Huh? They should not be second. Now, he has them second in his – now, have you ever read Phil Steele's preseason magazine? I usually always get it, yeah. Yep. Okay. So I just got mine shipped the other day. And you know how he does those two – one's the power poll. So this is just a ranking of, of the teams who I think the best are and with no context, just best teams. And then he has his other ranking that's based on context. So, like, I may like this team more, but their schedule's a gauntlet, and this team, who I don't think is as good, plays a cakewalk schedule. So I'm actually going to rank them higher because it's a predicted finish, right. which is fair. I mean, it's a, it's a good way of looking at it. If you're talking about the finish, then it's based on, hey, I actually think this team is better, but they kind of play these really seven rough games where this team, you know – and so uh, he has Clemson second in that context, which even then I still don't love that. But I mean, it that's too high. But I yeah. they're a top ten team to me. They'll be in my top ten for sure. So um, so Big Ten, Ryan, let's go overrated, I, underrated. Iowa's my underrated team. I feel like yeah. Iowa's going to take a nice step forward, and no one's really talking about them. And they finally have a competent quarterback they always have a good defense and they should be able to run the ball a little bit better last year than what they did you know and so mm-hmm. i think iowa's an underrated team for me overrated i i've seen a lot of people hyping up that this is the year that penn state makes a playoff run so i'll go them overrated i love their talents i just can't buy into james franklin taking them to the playoffs yeah. just can't buy it great recruiter really good really good man not a great game day coach. That's just kind of yes. where I am with that one. Yeah, I somewhat question the great man thing. Uh, very good recruiter for sure. Uh, I actually really like this Penn State team, so I'm not going to go there. I think a team that's very overrated coming in the season is Wisconsin. I think people are just kind of hyping up. I'm with you on the underrated one, right? I think Iowa's a team to look out for. Like They won eight games last year with one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my entire life. Like that was such a bad offense and they still won eight games. Like that's absurd. And, and when, when Cade McNamara is a bigger improvement at quarterback than Sam Hartman for you, than Sam Hartman is for Notre Dame, that tells you how bad their quarterback play was, but it's not just him. I I really like Eric all now. They lost a really good tight end, but my whole thing with Eric all is this helps alleviate that loss because this is a good football player. If he's healthy, I like the Caleb Brown pickup. So I think I was a team to sleep on. There's just this assumption that, that Wisconsin is going to make this smooth transition and be a top 15 to 20 team transitioning from what they've been to this, this air raid offense. And I just don't see it. I'm not as much of a believer, Ryan on, uh, on, um, just them being that kind of team. I'm just, I, I don't know. You, you may, you may disagree. I'm curious your thoughts. I just, I no, think I, Wisconsin I just, is going to struggle a little bit and I'm, and I'm very much not a believer in Tanner Mordecai. 
I'm just very much. I, I, I think I, I think I've been I think I've been deaf to expectations for Wisconsin. I haven't heard too many people hyping them up, so that's kind of my thing. Like, yeah, they're, they're like a that, consistent so. preseason top twenty-five team. I mean, just yeah, I mean, just yeah, consistently in the top twenty-five. I mean, I've seen I've seen uh, one ranking I saw had them in the um, like top fifteen area. So like I'm looking at one from yep. ESPN, uh, their preseason poll. They had them in the top. They had them twentieth, the preseason top twenty-five. I've seen others have them as high as 15 or 15 or 16. I'm curious what Phil still has them. I got my other Lindy's over there. I could go look at that, but I'd have to get up and grab it. But I'm curious kind of where Phil Steele had them in his preseason poll. So he has Wisconsin 18th in his power okay. poll, meaning not just he thinks they're the 18th best team in college football. And then in his actual preseason rankings thing, which is the other ranking that he does, he has them 13th. Oh, wow. So – yeah, that's way too high for me. Like way too high. So they're, they're a team. They're, uh, they're completely transitioning to a completely different offense, exactly. a completely different philosophy. Like exactly. there's a lot of change. It's not even just a lot like of change. Coach or coaching staff. Like that's a, yeah. that's a big change, man. I know for everyone, a team that went seven and six, like, Ryan. That's the thing. A team that yeah. went seven and six. I feel I feel like this chat is very like pro Phil Longo, and I don't dislike Phil Longo, but like that's a big dramatic shift to make yes. in one year, man. That's a very dramatic. I, I am shift. not. So I think Phil Longo is a nice football coach. Uh, it's more so about the giant switch. You've got to have the personnel to run your offense, right? Why did his why was why did his offenses in North Carolina flourish more so than at other places? Because look, we had a quarterback. He had Sam Hart. He had Sam Howell. And um, yep. and uh, Drake May, that's pretty good, right? I mean, that's yep. pretty good. I just I I don't see the personnel there, and and I know a lot of people like Tanner Mordecai because they look at the numbers that he put up at SMU, and I'm like, go look at every game that kid's played against a a, a power five team. Every every and he, do, he doesn't play well, and he wasn't very good at Oklahoma in my opinion. So I just, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a real big Tanner Mordecai fan to be completely honest with you. So that's the other part of it as well. And, and you're, you're getting, a, you're getting new players all over the place, all over the place. Yep. And, and I mean, I, I, maybe it's bias. I just remember watching Tanner Mordecai against Cincinnati in 2021 and being like, this guy ain't it. The last two years against Cincinnati, the, the best defense that he's faced in 2021, Tanner Mordecai, Went 15 of 26, Ryan. Not terrible. For 66 yards. This year against Cincinnati, he went 15 of 25. 105 yards. Like, you're going to put him in the Big Ten and think he's going to – I mean, you're going to put him against Iowa's offense. And, I mean, Iowa's defense and, and Joe Rossi's defense and yeah. and Ohio State and Michigan and, all, and and you're expecting them to be a top 15 team with that talent? I don't see it, man. I just don't see it. You're just, you're also you're also throwing Braylon Allen, who's a six two two hundred forty pound back into that air raid offense. Right. It's just kind of a weird fit yeah. too. Which is don't see because he's their best yeah. he's their best skill position player coming back, and it's just like, does that really fit that offense? I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't know. Chelsea. Yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very um, strange one. They're they're my overrated team in the Big Ten. Underrated, I'm with you on Iowa. Yeah, I, I'm sympathetic to your Penn State argument. I am, and. and I think their ranking is fair because I don't have anyone having them in the top five. If you if somebody had them in the top five, I'd say no. But with the combination of their schedule and their talent, I th- I still think they're a ten plus one team this year. I just don't think they're a playoff team. Although they're my dark horse. If if James Franklin can just 
get out of his own. That's really what it comes down to, right? Get out of his own way. You know, like, yeah. yeah, it's a huge, just a ginormous if. Yeah. SEC, oh, I love the talent, man. I think I said yeah. this on this on the show, Brian. It's like if if they ever move on from James Franklin over the next two years, the next oh, coach is walking into a gold I'll, mine. I'll man. say this, right? Like, so much. That's talent. gonna be a highly coveted job if James Franklin yes. left. Like if James Franklin left on his own accord, meaning like he hasn't run the program down, and you know what I mean. Like if like let's just say James Franklin got hired by the New York Giants or the New York Jets or some you know the Buffalo Bills or whatever. I don't know who pick a team. I I don't know. I, those teams all seem sa- stable right now at head coach, but let's say he let's let's say Ron Rivera gets displaced in Washington, which would probably be smart. Uh, and they hire James Franklin, it, it, it used to coach at Maryland. You know, name in the air, whatever. That's a job that there's gonna be a lot of coaches beating down the door to get that job, including some NFL guys because they're gonna look and say this team is gonna have a lot of talent. A lot of talent. That would be a, it'd be like when, when uh, Butch Davis left Miami, not quite the same, but like for the uh, the yeah. big 10 version of like, boy, this is a job that I want. You just hope that they don't give it to some, you know, some current assistant who can't coach, you know, like Mike Miami right. did with Larry Coker. Yeah. So yeah, oh, that would be a, that would be a, a very they should, interesting. They should, they should do a 30 for 30 on what would have happened to Miami if they would have gone a different direction on Larry Coker and uh, yeah. stay there. Maybe they still be the youth yeah. today. Who knows? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John A1 said it feels like the tight end group is steady for the 2023 season, even though in many ways it's like the linebacker room. Full of sophomore potential, do you have a similar feeling? Yeah. I mean, John, for me, I mean, John, it's definitely built off of potential a little bit because, I mean, again, I I think that Mitchell Evans is going to be a good football player, and I think that there's a lot of young talent in that room. But, I mean, you're returning, what, Mitchell Evans had three catches for 39 yards last yep. year and it all came in one game, right? Like, that's your re- returning production, basically. Golden State's had one reception. So it's very unproven. I will say that it's a little bit different than linebacker because I don't – I think that the incumbent is a little bit more of a known commodity than well, – yeah. let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. More consistent play than what the linebacker room was last year, right? Like, it was super – good in one spot and then not good at all in others, right? Like it was very up and down. I don't expect a lot of volatility with the lot with the tight end room. I expect the tight end room to be at least good. It's going to be a good room at least. It's also the nature of the position, Ryan. 
Yeah, the, it's the nature of the position. I mean, it's it's again pass catchers. We the, the the part of the part of the game that you would question with a young player tight end is what it's blocking, right? Like, is he going to block? Well, that's not a question for Mitchell Evans. He's a he's already he's a good block. I mean, he's a good blocker. He got better as he's gotten older and stronger. So I'm not worried about that part. It's okay. Can he make plays in the pass game? Well, I know he can. We've seen him get open. He just hasn't. The opportunity hasn't been there. But the talent is there, so I'm I'm not worried about that. Experience doesn't matter as much to me at tight end as it does linebacker. It it, it doesn't because linebacker to me there's just so much more mentally involved in it. So, yeah, I, and I would say that there's even more potential discussion at tight end because there's a level of lack of provenness. I, I know that this is a controversial subject for some people. That don't understand why. JD Bertrand is a pretty proven player. I mean. He is what he is. Jack Kaiser is a pretty proven player. It's really the will position that's just sort of tainted the entire position for how bad that was really for several years. The last, I mean, it was bad in 2020, you know, it was bad in 2022. So two of the last three years, will has been a major problem. I mean, you're starting will linebacker in 2020 uh, had like what? 14 tackles, something like that. It was absurd. So uh, yeah. So I think that room's a little bit more established where, at least in the starting lineup or the tight end position is not, but I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not worried about it. And I think the other part of it too, is it's kind of an apples to oranges conversation, Ryan, because the tight end room doesn't have to be relied upon. If you're good enough, other places, you can't hide linebackers. Can't, you can't hide linebackers. If you're not good linebacker, you're going to get exposed. You just, you just are. All right. It's good. Good question here, John. I, I, I like, I like that one. All right, here we go. Next question is from Jordan Schreiber, who says, Mailbag, can you talk more about the impression of Marcus Freeman after interviewing him? Thank you for the great Marcus Freeman articles that came from it. Well, I have several more coming. Obviously, I had uh, the the uh, injury updates for Jadarian Price and Eli Raritan two days ago. And yesterday I had the, the article about um, just kind of lessons Coach Freeman's learned in his one year and Today I have one about him talking about Jared Parker. I've got several more coming changes there. You know why he thinks the defense is going to be better. I talked a little bit about you know recruiting and uh, several different. You know we talk a lot about like the pass game and the importance of RPOs. And so there's a lot we talked about. But in Ryan, simply put, if you were to say, can you describe Marcus Freeman in, in one or two words? I would I would say uh, genuine and. I'm trying to think of like another way of saying, you know, he he know he knows what he wants. I guess I can't think of a way to say this in one word, right? But he, he knows what he wants to do. And I thought the the um he the genuine part is not just genuine about oh, he's a good guy, but the genuineness part also comes from the notion of he's willing to say, hey, I I didn't do this well, or I, I screwed up here and, and I didn't, I didn't coach well here. And I, I made a bad decision here. And I remember talking to him at one of the comments he made, and it hasn't been in the story yet, but he was like, he was talking about, you know, his role this spring. And he was like, you know, a year ago at this time, um, I, I didn't even know where to stand. I'm still trying to figure out where to stand, where to be during practice. And so like the last thing on my mind was dealing with this and dealing with that and dealing with whatever. And, and, and kind of talking to him, like, the one article, and I put this on the message board. So you've actually read this a little bit. Of, I think, I think I put it on there. No, it was actually in the, in the first article I wrote, but he talked about how, you know, after the Stanford game, I think something clicked for coach Freeman to where, 
hey, I've got to be, I've got to be this for this football team. And I think that was sort of his coming of age moment. But you can only come of age in that moment if you're willing to look in the mirror and say, this is on me. We're here because of me. And so I got to fix it. And, and in the past, the person in charge a lot of time would look outward when things didn't go well. It's him. It's him. It's his fault. It's that person's fault. It's this part. We didn't have a chef. So that's why, you know, we missed a field goal here and we didn't have a chef. So that's why we, we called this play here. And, you know, we don't have certain facilities. So that's why I had Tommy Reese roll out and throw a bomb when, even though we're in field goal range and only down a point, you know, as a true freshman, like it's all because of other people. And Coach Freeman's thing was, no, 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 no. That we, we we did that because of one reason, and it wasn't Drew Pine's fault. It wasn't the defense's fault. It wasn't Al Golden's fault. I didn't have this team ready to play. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And then he could point to things that that they weren't doing, you know. And that was the the honesty, the openness. That's part of being genuine too, is to say, hey, look, I didn't have all the answers last year. I was willing to admit that, but I learned them as I went through it. And it's that expression, you know. I, I kind of said to him, and, and I'm not sure if this is exactly how it goes, but this is how I like to say it is you don't know what you don't know until you're in a situation and you're exposed for, you know, you don't know it, but you learn from it. How do you learn from it? How do you come back from it? How do you bounce back from it? You know, what do you learn in his comments about like, and he kind of made a joke. He's like, you know, you can't panic. He goes, you can go into your office and panic a little bit. He goes, but when you're in front of the team, you can't panic. You have to, you know, so he said, Hey, look, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. But the things that they were doing were more about we are why we're here. We, me, me is why we're here. And now, you are are you've now got to go do this because this is what we need to do. And I thought that honesty about it was something that was very refreshing. And when he says it, it's just not like he may be totally full of crap and just saying what he thinks we want to hear. If he is, he's really good at hiding the lie because he comes across as very genuine, very honest. I kind of think, I, at least I like to think that I'm pretty good at sniffing out BS. And when I'm being told, you know, that, that, uh, you know, there's coaches I've gotten to know and, and they like to, Hey, we're friends and stuff. But the reality is like, dude, I'm not naive. I, I know why you talk to me. You, I, I, because of what I, you think I can do for you, or you want me to maybe write a favorable article about you, or you don't want me to hammer you or whatever the case may be. I know that. And then there's coaches that you, that, you know, like, Hey, this guy, this guy is someone who is a good person and he doesn't care if I write a bad article about him or not. Cause he knows I'm, I'm, I'm just doing my job and, it's about football, not personality and all that kind of stuff. And and with Coach Freeman, when you sit down and talk with him in those settings, you just say, this is a genuine dude. This is a really a guy, a guy that's willing to look in the mirror and say, hey, we got beat because I did not have this team ready. Not because we weren't good enough at quarterback or not because we weren't good enough here. It's because we, uh, me as coach and then we as a staff, we didn't do enough to get these kids ready to play. And he's got some comments, and I don't think I've – had them in one of the articles yet i have to go look at it where uh let me see if i can actually find it here real quick where i, I was really floored uh, with his comments and this is I'll, I'll read it to y'all right here so he and i are talking about sort of the defense and getting to know the defense better and stuff like that and it's about um you know, the experience of knowing each other. He goes, and this is a comment he said, I've always been the type of coach and leader that says what our players do is a reflection of what we teach. And so I challenge myself as a coach and our coaches to not just blame the players for what they do, because we have to really think that what they do is a reflection of what we taught. 
And there was so much of that lacking from the previous coach. And so to hear him say that, and it was part of a conversation where it wasn't even the initial question. It was kind of like a follow-up as we were like just really dialoguing. And and uh, I kind of pressed him on it in a way where I wanted to get like an immediate reaction from him. And that's exactly where he went was if the players got there and play bad, I don't go into my office at night and say, man, these kids suck. We got to go out and get better players. You know, if you get beat by a team and they're just better than you, that's not what we're talking about. It was kind of coming from like the, the Stanford game. And they didn't lose to Stanford because they had, didn't have good enough players. The lack of execution and all those kind of things, was that was on us. And that led to him talking about like part of that was, guys, we are going to do this. Stop trying to be cute. Stop trying to do this. Stop trying to – this is who we are. This is what we're good at. This is what we're going to do. And it's our fault that we put those players in a position to, to, to not make those plays. And I liked that. It was very genuine. And um, I think the players see that. I think it's part of the reason that the, the kids respect them and like them as much as they do. Because there's – trust me, there's accountability in this program. It's not like he's the the fun-loving and, and, and the players coach everybody thinks he is and it's kumbaya and if you screw up, it's like he just hugs you and tells you he still loves you and you're pretty and smacks you on the booty as you walk away. No, no, there's accountability, believe me. Uh, but they, the, the players also believe that there's a level of accountability with at the top as well. And when you believe that the coach is going to look in the mirror first and then look at the staff next and then come to you, you're willing to take that criticism because you know he's not just – you're not the scapegoat. That, that he knows that, okay, we're going to do our part. Now I need you to do yours. And, and kids respond well to that, Ryan. There's no doubt about it. All right, here we go. Um, let's get down here to oh, – we already saw that one. Sorry. I'm trying to get down here to so, some some people, questions from people we haven't had yet because there's like three guys that just dominated the first 30 questions on, on here. So let's get down to some more. Here we go. Brandon Plesner says, what players and Notre Dame targets have you heard the most buzz around from the evaluation camps starting right before Irish invasion till now? Which targets would you like to see Notre Dame lock down for 2025 and 2026? Well, that's a much different, that's kind of a two-part conversation, right? I mean, so the first part, Ryan, I mean, guys that that we've heard, uh, Matty Augustine, uh, yep. 2025 offensive line, just someone he got offered. I think the staff liked him a lot. They like his athleticism. Derek Meadows yep. doesn't catch the ball real great, which is kind of important for a receiver, but he's big and fast and athletic from Bishop and raw. Gorman. Yeah, yep. the kid from Bishop Gorman, I, they like him. The Blaine Bradford kid, the 26 kid from – is he from from Cali or – where's he from? I forget where Blaine Bradford is from, Ryan. Blaine Bradford is My, from – I keep thinking yeah. Florida, but that's Ivan Taylor. Yeah, so I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to see where Blaine uh, – is he Cal- is he- oh, Baton Rouge. That's right. Duh. The Baton Rouge kid. He's a 26 oh, yeah, defensive yeah, yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. that kid blew them away at the camp. Like, they love that kid. So they're all over that guy, too. Um, Devin Williams is a guy that they had work out of camp recently, but they already liked him a yeah. lot. I mean, he was already a guy him. that they were very high on. Yeah. Uh, obviously, and obviously, you know, some of these uh, – really, the buzz is about guys that you've seen get offers. You know, the yeah. the, uh, tw- the other 26 cornerback, the Hill, Albert Hill, Albert Hill. Yeah. I liked him, honestly. And and when I found out he was a 26 kid, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, now I really like him. You know, and yeah. very young who was, looking. <laughs> who was the yeah. was it was it uh was it Charles something? I forget the, his last name, but the, the corner that got offered after last week's camp. And I remember 
being impressed by this kid. Something I saw is obviously he was, he was doing some good things, but there was one drill where he didn't close the rep off and he's walking back up the sideline, right? And Mike Mickens is standing in the middle of the field, you know, where DB coaches stand. Charles, Charles Bell, right? There you go. Charles Bell. And coach Mickens yells to him, not yells at him, but yells to him. And he's the kid stops and looks right at coach Mickens, like just eye contact. And the entire times coach Mickens is coaching this kid up. I'm not watching coach Mickens. I'm watching this kid and he is just zeroed in. And, yep. and and then when Coach does it, he's like, you know, I got you, Coach. He goes back, and then he does exactly what he was taught that very next rep. And I'm like, that's a kid that I like because that's a kid that's coachable. You know, yep. he's not putting his head down because the ball was incomplete. And and so he's not putting his head down because the coach is getting on him. He's not like, man, I, I, it's incomplete. Why are you getting on me? You know, he's taking the coaching. Got you. Okay. I, he, you know, and I think they're, that, you know, he's a guy that it stood out to me. And, and it, so it didn't shock me when I saw he got offered, you right. know, after the camp. So those are some guys, Ryan, that I think right now that, that off the top of my head that there's some buzz about from the evaluation yeah. camps. And, and there'll be more kids that visited and did those things that get offered over time. Yeah, and a lot of them already had – I mean, a few of them already had offers, to your point, like right. Devin Williams and Samuel Cohen was there yesterday. They already had an offer. And Justin Thurman mm-hmm. was there, the one before, who already had an offer, the running back out of Florida. So mm-hmm. yeah, some, some names that you should already be a little bit familiar with. The uh, Rowan Byrne was a kid that, Byrne, that I didn't get a chance to see a lot, but I've heard a lot of good things about because the offensive line yeah. were on a completely different field, and I just didn't really get a chance to see much of them. But uh, the Burns, guys I did see uh, weren't impressive. His but, yeah, film is pretty fun, cool, yeah. man. It's pretty yeah. fun. Yep. <laughs> the uh, the other one, who would I like to see them lock down in twenty five? First of all, I'm not I'm not giving you any names for twenty six because I refuse to like make decisions. Like that, based on freshman film. Oh, what about the quarterback, you know? man? What about the quarterback no. they offered? Come on, no, Come on. no. <laughs> uh, Twenty-five, Ryan. Obviously, you'd like to see him lock down. A, I would love to see him lock down Deuce Knight at quarterback. That'd be huge. You know, that's going to be a battle. I mean, Tennessee, Ole Miss. It's going to be a tough battle. Uh, Alabama just got in the mix recently. I still think Alabama is going to end up getting George McIntyre. Uh, that's that's who yeah. I think they're going to get. And so I don't think that Alabama is going to necessarily be a play. And not not that I think Alabama would even be the pick for Deuce anyway. I. I Obviously, Alabama offers you, and you're a Southern kid. You're you're going to be involved. But I still think it's a Notre Dame, Tennessee, Ole Miss battle in, in in that order. I mean, one A, one B with Tennessee, Notre Dame. I think it depends on the day you ask me who I feel yeah. better better about there. He'd be one I'd like to see them to get into the class soon. Uh, Owen Strebig's a guy that I would love to see jump into class soon on the offensive line. Ryan, who just, like who just was, visited yesterday. So, yeah, and did yeah. you see his tweet Again. today? Yeah. Yes. So oh, he sent he sent um, it to me. I got a little update coming on him. So yep. yeah. There you go. So he's a guy that I'd like to see them get in on early. I'd like to see them lock up Cree Thomas soon. He's a guy that I'd love to see them, yeah. you know, get in the class early. Ryan, any guy? I'm going to look up the. I'm going to look up the uh, my offer list. But I mean, uh, obviously, I'd love to get some of the linebackers. I mean, I'd love to get, you know, uh, Anthony Saka. I mean, I'm just saying, like realistic guys that I think no, could McKay. decide soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, who's the other one? The kid from Nebraska, Christian Jones. I mean, there, Christian Jones, there's five yeah. or six linebackers, Ryan, that I would be th- thrilled about picking Notre Dame. I mean, it's a really yeah. loaded linebacker class. Really yeah, is. I mean, I mean, for guys that could pop soon, I think he hit Justin Hill. Them. I mean, Owen, yeah, Owen Shrewbig's a big one, obviously, That as far as guys that maybe could pop somewhat soon. You mentioned Kareem Thomas. Like, you feel good about where Notre Dame is with their – Feel good about where they are with a couple of the defensive ends, but I'm, you know, timeline I think is still a little bit like I, Christopher Burgess. Obviously, is a player that they yeah. like a lot, but I just don't think Christopher Burgess is ready to make a decision anytime soon. You know and he's I mean? blowing so, up right yeah. now. I mean, he's got yes, Ohio he State recently, Michigan recently, Alabama. Didn't Alabama offer him recently as well? I believe. 
So yeah, he's blowing up. I don't see that one happening anytime soon. I don't. And yeah, obviously they already got Nate Roberts, which is big. Yep. Receiver's an interesting one, Ryan, because I'd love for them to get Taylor Taylor in the class soon. I just don't think that's going to happen, you know, but I would love that. I mean, he, he is my numero uno guy and there's no ifs, ands or buts about it at the position. But yeah, if they could get like Matty Augustine, Owen Strebig and Rowan Byrne in the class, soon i mean uh, it's, it's, good, it's the beginnings man. of a heck of an offensive line class right because yeah. maddie august and, and you go all in on not, david sanders yeah yeah david's yeah. him and avery gack you could go all in on yeah. those two guys you know because i i think it could end up being a four to five man class depending on how the roster shakes out but you know that'd be thrilled with that defensive line i i still think they're still settling on who they actually like the most yeah. in that class so that's a that one's a little bit of a question mark defensive tackle they already have a kid don't you have a line? Don't you have an update coming out on Elijah Barnes, a linebacker soon? Yes, yes, I do. But yeah, yep. so you also got that blowing up, man. Yeah, I remember. I remember yeah. when they offered him; he was only like a three star. Now he's a consensus, pretty much top one hundred player, and he's got Alabama and Georgia and yeah. all the Texas schools. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. he's blown up. You know, sure. Madden for for Emo, Justin Fariamo. Hill. It's a really low. I mean. Christopher Jones, Josiah Kia. I've never seen film of, but you know he's related to to Kahanu Kia. Uh, Noah McKell, yep. Landon McComer, uh, Gavin Nix. I mean, it, Anthony Saka, Nathaniel Owusu Botang, Carlton Smith has visited campus. I mean, it is a loaded, loaded class at linebacker. Ryan, what do you think of um, like Trey Harrison visited? He's a kid I like. Uh, you know, yep. if I don't know that necessarily where I feel about pushing for him now. Kid that I was going to ask you about that I haven't seen a whole lot of, and I'm actually going to pull his film up right now as you're talking. What are your thoughts on Remington Moss? Because he's now made a couple visits to campus, correct? Or am I? He has. I think he's yeah, made a tw- couple twice. visits. He's been, he's been to campus twice. Because so. I thought he yeah. went to a game this year, right? And then he was on campus yeah. this past week, I believe, as well. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on him as a player? Because he he like, he like seems to like reading your article that we published this morning. Did we publish that this, did yeah. I publish that this morning? He yes. seems to like Notre Dame a lot, Ryan. What are your thoughts on him as a yes. player? I think he's a really good-looking athlete. Um, 6'1", 175 pounds. Some people have him listed 6'2". I think he's more in the six foot one range. He had crazy ball production last year. He had like five interceptions, one for a touchdown, and 16 pass breakups or something like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a little bit of range on the back end. I, I think the safety class is pretty nice, man, for what I've seen. I mean uh, – Talking about a couple of those guys that we've talked about a ton, obviously at this point. And he like, actually plays corner in high school, dudes. which is yeah, yeah. He, play, he plays all over the place a little bit. I've seen him play some nickel. He plays corner, like mm-hmm. he obviously projects the safety. So he's got ball skills, man. And anytime you got ball skills and some movement skills, and yeah, can be pretty high on you. So looking yeah, at the film like now, that. Ryan, I agree with you on the six one thing, but he's got some long yeah. flipping arms, yes, man. Yes, he does. He's got some really long arms. Definitely not a corner, in my opinion. Yeah. No. Definitely they got some corner. length at safety, man. Because I, I mean, for every Trey Harrison and Trey McNutt, who are like a little bit of smaller guys, they have Remington Moss. They have the Te- yeah. Tagayoa, who is a massive kid out of Nevada. Yeah. They have J- Jaden Blair out of North Carolina, who's six foot four. I mean, they have a lot of length yeah. in that position. Right and now. obviously, we would love for them to lock down Dorian Brew and Dallas Golden, but those aren't like realistic. Sure. I'm just trying to be like realistic with guys that I think. You could get early and and right. and honestly, I'd like to if, if they're gonna take Jerome Bettis Jr., I'd like to get it over with sooner. That way you can use him as kind of a recruiter in the class as well. You know, so if you're gonna make that move, make that move and get him in the class. You know what I mean? So um yeah, that's something he's a guy whose junior film is gonna be really important to watch. Cause yeah. if you watch his yeah. sophomore film, 
it does not knock your socks off. But then if you watch his camp film from the summer, it's like, okay, there that's that's not the dude that I saw in sophomore film. He's bigger, he's stronger, yeah. he's more athletic, he's more I mean, he 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 at one of those rivals camps, he's making like one-handed catches with dudes draped all over him. He's like running by guys. You're like, okay, that's not what I saw in film. I'm really curious to see his junior film, uh, to be honest with you. But those are some of the guys, Brandon. Hopefully we can able we can uh hopefully we'll be able to answer some of those for you and and you like them. You like some of the answers, hopefully. We'll see. Irish Gordy Knott says, do you think you would be a high, as high on Aeneas Williams if you hadn't seen um, Kyron succeed with a similar playing style? Um, so yeah, I would. Digest for a second. Yeah, I, I would still be high on him because I don't evaluate Aeneas because I think he's the next Kyron. Uh, and, and I don't think that Aeneas – like, because here's for me, it would be, okay – you weren't high on Kyron. I think this is where the question's coming from. I wasn't high on Kyron coming out of high school, yeah. but I'm higher on Aeneas now. Is Kyron's success a reason for that? And I'd say no, a couple reasons why. I think Aeneas is bigger than Kyron. I think Aeneas is more explosive athletically than Kyron. I think those two yeah. things are true. I think it's the athleticism. Like where I, uh, Aeneas Williams was a, or excuse me, Kyron Williams was a heck of a high school football player. I Means to get out over a thousand. If I remember correctly, he had over 2,000 yards rushing and 2,000 yards receiving coming to high school, very similar to Aeneas, right? But with Kyron, the, the issue wasn't that he wasn't a good football player. It's just that he lacked the size and, and, and the explosiveness athletically for that size. Like He was always a quick, shifty kid, but he, he wasn't a very explosive kid, and he wasn't at Notre Dame either. And it, But it more comes down to with Aeneas, I see Aeneas being a, a more explosive athlete, and I think he's also a little taller than Kyron was coming out. He's probably about an inch taller than Kyron was coming to high school too. So to me, Ryan, yeah. it, it Kyron's success showed me that you can have that role, but my fondness for Aeneas is more about what the athleticism, the, the vision, the, the feel, the size that he does, he has in high school. That To me, that would be the reasons why I like him. I, I try not to project onto this kid something that I saw in another kid, even if it's like a n- younger brother. You know, like I didn't think Julian Aguara was going to be good because Romeo was. I thought Julian right. was going to be good, could be good because of what Julian showed on film. And so that's, sure. um, that would be my stance. Have you kind of digested, yeah. do you kind of get where he's coming from, Ryan, a little bit now? Do, yeah. you, do you have a thought on that? I, I mean, to a degree. I, I mean, I, I think I see it pretty similarly, though, in the sense that Aeneas Williams is bigger right now than Kyron Williams was when Kyron Williams was a junior in college and Aeneas Williams is a, about to be a senior in high school. So I just think there's a little bit of a different, and I understand why we couple these guys together because they're both all purpose backs and they both come from the state of Missouri. Like I, I understand why the comp is out there. I just, I, I think they're a little bit differently of functional runners. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think that I do think that Aeneas is more talented though than Kyron, but will Aeneas have the determination and the intangibles that Kyron Williams had? I, I, I don't know. I mean, that was the one of the, Kyron Williams has been one of the best leaders that Notre Dame has had in the last couple yeah. of years, man. Workers. That kid yeah. loved football, man, and he loved Notre Dame, and he put everything he had onto that field. You need more Kyron Williams on your mm-hmm. team, just from a, a personal perspective. Like, yeah. that kid was about as competitive as a player as I've seen at Notre Dame. Like, that kid yeah. wanted to win with everything. So, I loved it. I loved Kyron, man. If he ends up being – if Aeneas ends up being as productive as Kyron, it'll be different. It'll look different, but it'll be very welcomed because Kyron was a very good football player for Notre Dame. Yep. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.